is host Eddie Bubb, and I am by myself as a host. I, I, I don't have any of my other co-host colleagues here, but I do have two fantastic guests to keep me company today. I have uh, uh, Ian Watson. Hello. And Lauren Roy. Hello. And uh, I, I have invited you here to talk about how to destroy Superman. Wait, no. <laughs> Wrong speech. Kryptonite? It's pretty straightforward, Eddie. <laughs> well, I one thing I have learned from watching the the Batwoman uh, TV show is that that is the only thing that can pierce Batwoman's armor is kryptonite. Hmm. So, yeah, Who it's, knew? it was. Oh right. Yeah, it was a strange show. <laughs> <laughs> it's like my armor is so good that only this alien substance could possibly pierce it, and then suddenly, of course, it's everywhere, right? <laughs> like, <laughs> Like all Superman Jason shows that Superman's is a really rare mineral that nobody seems to have access to except for everybody has access to. Kryptonite, get your kryptonite here. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Exactly. It's like it's like five a pound at the corner, you know. Uh no, no, no. no we, we that is I mean, we could probably talk for a whole hour about the weirdness of a DC universe, but instead, uh, we're here to talk about Trinity Continuum Aegis and maybe other Trinity stuff. We'll see how things go. Uh, but um, by the time you're listening to this, fingers crossed, not done wood, um, it should be going on uh, Backer Kit. Uh, Backer, I think it's our third time using Backer Kit as crowdfunding directly. Uh, sounds right. So. Yeah. Right, right. Um, and we've, we've talked about this before, but um, uh, we're always kind of uh, exploring and evolving and trying new things. And for, for a couple of years now, we've been trying to test out different crowdfunding uh, platforms aside from Kickstarter. Um, but we've had a, a, a really fantastic relationship with Backerkit over the years, initially as our kind of uh, support tier for the crowd, for the Kickstarters. Um, and so uh, we're, we're excited to kind of use them again this time around to, to see how things go. So let's, um, I guess, start at the beginning. Um, Quite literally. Uh, so this is the second slash third game, if you count Assassins, uh, that's new to the Trinity Continuum. Yeah, I like to, to count it in terms of eras. So if we're not counting the, the core present era as a thing, because mm -hmm. it's it's always been intentionally very vaguely defined. Right. Um, We've introduced Anima, we've introduced Aether, and now we've, we're introducing Aegis. So, yeah, this will be our third. Right. Okay. Yeah. It, it, I was like, there's, there's, a, there's a three or a four in here. The thing is that Trinity Kingdom is actually spanning so fast, it seems, in some ways. I know. Um, Matthew's been beating me, though. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> there's, what, 11 new eras in the RPG anthology? True, but also they're like... 17,000 words each, whereas each Trinity book is 150,000 words, so it's a little bigger. Fair enough. It takes a touch more time. Um, although now that you say that, doing a 20s and 30s, well, we, we already did 20s and 30s Trinity in the era, but we haven't, we haven't done like a noir-specific kind of Trinity thing. Yeah, noir is a, a bit more later 30s, early 40s. Mm -hmm. I, we do touch right. on it a little bit in Adventure, but... I don't know. Maybe that's a that's an idea for a future product. Yeah, maybe you have to maybe maybe an adventure or something or something. 
I'm trying to uh, think of appropriate words that start with A for that era, but drawing a blank, so. Right, yeah, alcoholism. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, um, but no, so, uh, but I do know, Ian, that Aegis has been something you've had in mind pretty much since day one, am I right? More or less, yeah. Um, you know that whole Pixar theme, that thing where um, they all went to a diner and then sketched out the ideas for the first five movies on the back of a napkin? Right. Um, this, it was sort of like that with the training continuum, where... A lot of the eras I wanted to do, I came up with fairly early on. Mm-hmm. Um, it dates back to the original release of Adventure back in 2001, which I happen mm-hmm. to have open here. Um, nice. There's uh, a series of uh, sort of letters or diary entries from a lot of the, the uh, storyteller characters, the, mm-hmm. the founders of the Aeon Society. And uh, Dr. Primoris writes, I think we can look to myth and legend for a different way to categorize the new breed walking the earth, should categories be desired. Daredevils are the heroes of myth, the Daedaluses as well as the Jasons. Mesmerists are the wizards, witches, and sorcerers who haunt the corners of our past. And stalwarts, stalwarts are gods, gods of the dawning age. And I thought that was really fucking cool, and I wanted to explore that. Yeah, that's awesome. Uh also in the same year, still in 2001, the Aberrant Player's Guide came out, which was the last traditionally printed book for Aberrant. There was, uh, I think, Aberrant Underworld, which was a PDF, but right. um, it's got suggestions on running Aberrant in different time periods, one of which is the ancient world. And after the first introduction, it says, uh, Greek mythology in particular evokes the spirit of Aberrant. While possessing tremendous power, the Greek gods uh, were very human in their passions and their feelings. Characters in a historical series may be the inspiration for tales of the gods, or perhaps they dare to masquerade as gods, but have to wonder whether or not quote-unquote real gods exist who might object to their deception. Stories can Mm -hmm. recreate some of the classical myths, with enough small changes that players are well advised not to rely too heavily on their knowledge of how things should happen. So that plus the adventure passage, like really fired me for wanting to explore this time period. Okay. Uh, and uh, when I know when you were talking to Rish initially, this was kind of not only did you have this in mind of like, hey, this would be cool, but also how it all connected up. You had a pretty strong idea of that, right? Yes, I did. But that's going to be in the Zen um, Secrets chapter. Right. I, I'm, I'm trying, I'm dancing around. That's why I'm being vague. I'm like, <laughs> finger yes. steeples. Don't want to, yeah. it, it's not like anima level of this is a deep, dark secret per se, but also it does change your perceptions of what's going on in the setting if we say anything. So, right. Uh, we'll dance around it. We'll dance around it. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, but more to the point, this is not just greek heroic myth this is very specifically a sci-fi bent on that right yeah um for like the trinity continuum is not a setting in which magic or the supernatural exists although there is a Mm -hmm. lot of stuff that looks very much like it and people in the time period may not be able to recognize it as you know our sci-fi bullshit explanation 
they think it's magic, <laughs> but from our omniscient perspective as the, the players and the story guides, we know it's not. I had always imagined it kind of like uh, Doctor Who episodes where like they run into someone who claims to be a demon and has magical powers and the doctor rattles off some sci-fi explanation, but it doesn't really change the fact that it's still, for the, all the, for the characters, it's still largely magic. Yes, uh, very much like that. Uh, one of the, the touchstones I've been using to explain it is Assassin's Creed Odyssey. Odyssey is very much set in the Greek period, mm. but um, we know from you know, our perspective as, you know, the present member of Abstergo Industries or whatever it is, that um, that there's this whole thing with the ancients and they've got all this weird-ass technology. So it's a sci-fi bullshit explanation for why there's all this fantastic, fantastical stuff happening in the past. Right. Right. And that seems very uh, appropriate to Trinity specifically. Yeah. Uh, so let me... um kind of read a, a blurb here from, from the crowdfunding page. Trinity Continuum Aegis is a game of epic adventure and exploration set during Greece's Iron Age. The setting features figures and events from history and mythology viewed through the lens of a Trinity Continuum. Uh, so I'll kind of stop there. Um, so uh, Greece is kind of the viewpoint in this, but it's not exclusive, right? It's not just, you're not just playing in Greece. Right. You, yeah. you get to um, explore places kind of around the world. Mm -hmm. Yeah, Greece has always sort of been um, very key to the Trinity Continuum as a whole. We've got, you know, Prometheus Chambers, the Aesculapian Order. Mm. We've got Project Neptune and uh, Triton. So th there's always been this sort of background process of you know greek mythology running throughout trinity so that's what i wanted to focus in on but just like a lot of other trinity continuum books or other books from onyx path we sort of do a whirlwind tour of the rest of the world so if you really wanted to set your game say uh in egypt which is you know fairly close to greece or even china or uh uh, Northern Europe, I think, was one of our other options. There's a lot of stuff going on during the time mm -hmm. period, and we give you a taste of, of a lot of it. Yeah, I could totally see doing, like, say, uh, a Romance of Three Kingdoms game with Trinity Ages. Mm. That could be a load of fun. Oh, yeah. Uh, anyway, to continue. Um, in this game, we'll play champions, oracles, and Olympians, characters who have come into contact with a mysterious substance called Ambrosia and been transformed transformed into inspired individuals. So let's break those down a bit. What are champions, oracles, and Olympians, and what is Ambrosia? Lauren, you want to grab this? I don't want to talk over you the whole time. <laughs> no worries, yeah. Um, so Ambrosia is a, uh, a strange substance that's found um, at the, the site where something mysterious crashes into Mount Olympus. Mm -hmm. And it's it's not just found there, but it's found kind of around the world. And um, when people come into contact with it, it changes them and into champions, oracles, and Olympians. Um, mm -hmm. So champions have powers of like luck and skill and, and you know, they're, they're strong and quick and sharp-witted and charismatic. Um, oracles are uh, the, the sort of witches and sorceresses of the setting mm -hmm. um, where they can, they can predict fate or, or do sort of weird weather controlling magic um 
And the Olympians are the people who wield kind of godlike powers. They they might be incredibly strong. They might have you know transformation, be able to transform their own shapes, um, and you know wield lightning like it's like it's a a sword. Um, and and all of this comes from that contact with Ambrosia. Oh, very cool. So uh, the characters in the setting don't know what Ambrosia is. It's just something that gives them power right yep and some of them are some of the the groups are sort of formed around figuring out what it is and what they can do with it and whether they need to protect other people from coming into contact with it okay so so a bit like aether in that regard in the sense that these, these they're they're these groups are centered around some strange discovery and trying to figure out how it fits into everything mm-hmm. okay that makes sense uh, so um talk about kind of some of the key points of this again I'm, I'm i'm more or less moving down the the crowdfunding page because it, it, it's good to kind of pull these out and then talk more about them people who maybe looked at the page and are a little curious to more more details um the first big note is epic adventure uh this is a game about big sweeping actions and over-the-top stories monsters are real and roam the world some are strange creatures others are human uh the characters face these things head-on using wits strength and daring to forge stories that will echo through the ages um, so what I'm hearing, it sounds like this is something that, uh, from a tonal perspective, is a little closer to, say, uh, aberrant than, say, assassins. Is that right? I think I think that's accurate. Yeah, I, I, you're you're going out and doing big sweeping things that people kind of can't miss you doing. <laughs> where assassins, you maybe don't want to be seen doing your uh, doing your your missions, but it just you. People are going to know. They're they're going to sing songs and tell stories about you and what you did. That's cool. Um, and uh, 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 Ian, maybe uh, you can let's just throw in here. Um, uh, it, how does this like fit in with with other Trinity games tonally? I mean, is it something that that's very different for Trinity, or is it closer to other games, or is it kind of a, a new approach? How does it fit with the overall tone of Trinity? Um. I would say it's probably, yeah, like you mentioned, similar to Aberrant, where there's just a big scope to everything. Mm-hmm. Um, like, the the Greek stories are where we get the word epic. And right. this sort of really fits into that. You can have um, you can have actual characters from Greek legend and mythology show up in your games. You might even be playing one of them. Mm. Um, and... Uh, like yeah, you you can just tell these huge sweeping stories about, you know, the the stories of the gods, the stories of these big champions. Uh, you can interfere in those stories. You can do. You can change the future. You know, there's there's a whole lot you can do. That's really cool. And actually, um, let me jump ahead slightly, but that talks to another point on the page is uh, uh, recognizing your potential. You know, what makes a hero? Is it strength, cleverness, doing the right thing? Um, what you're capable of when you've given it all you've got. Um, and, and you're right. So in that case, it does feel like it is it is similar to Aberrant. Um, but uh, I'll kind of throw this to Lauren. Um, is there also maybe a bit of fatalism in this? Because this is a historical game, so we know where this ultimately goes. Um, so is that kind of intentional? Or are people encouraged to kind of shape the world in their own image? How does that land? Um, I, I think a little bit of both. Um, we did definitely write with the idea of, you know, this is the start of, of Greece's Dark Age. And, mm-hmm. you know, things are kind of 
historically they they fall apart over the course of of several hundred years and you know a whole bunch of of writing and history and and art is lost um but it also the the start of the era still has is kind of the setting of like the trojan war so there there are heroes around and we we give you the option to either kind of play into that of trying to you know save things when when things are starting to to collapse or you know you you're the heroes maybe you turn it around and 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 change the course of history completely and kind of give people permission to do what they want with those stories Mm, okay that makes sense um so is it fair to say that maybe there's a little bit of not a lot but like a little bit of scion in that regard in this I think there can be we tried to be careful to to make sure they were very clearly different games um mm, okay. you know uh, but you're you're playing with with Greek mythology and world mythology if you want to have gods in your games it's a thing we we discuss in the story guiding chapter of how to kind of dial that up or down how much the gods are involved in your lives or how much your characters maybe shape the stories that become those myths like Ian was saying um so you you kind of get to control it um so if you want to play something that's a very epic scion sort of game where you've been cursed by Hera and have to perform labors, then then you can do that. Um, but you can also strike off on your own too. Okay, nice. All right. Um, so let's go into the individual chapters um, and, and I'll start with chapter one. I'll kind of throw this to Ian. Um, so the first chapter is about the world of Aegis. Uh, it summarizes the world as it stood at the time of when this crash happened in Mount Olympus. Um, and it's, it's, it's a game set about 10 years after that crash, it sounds like. Mm-hmm. Yeah, r- roughly. Uh, same. You mentioned the association with Aberrant earlier. Um, mm-hmm. Aberrant did the same thing where End Day was 10 years in the past. Oh, okay. Good, good connection. So uh, uh, naturally, like you said, uh, this sounds like it's going to be the usual kind of world tour chapter we have. But also there's mentions of other strange places. Maybe we can talk about both of those a little bit. Okay, just opening up the actual files here <laughs> fair enough <laughs> yes we don't remember this thing that we wrote like a year ago <laughs> i i had the the chapter with the colleges all set to go i was i had read through uh. it before we started and now you're like how about we look at a different chapter God dang <laughs> we will get to colleges i promise you but i'm i'm, I'm shaking right. it up yeah all right <laughs> uh okay so um the the very first uh, strange place that we list here is one that a lot of people have been asking about and talking about since very early on, the Atlantean Empire. Mm. So I think a lot of people are going to be jazzed about reading about Atlantis and um, what with the like over the past few decades with the like various new age you know fiction and so on. There, there's been a lot of weird racism surrounding the Atlantis myth. Mm-hmm. And we did not want to incorporate any of that. So we went in a very different direction. Mm. Um, okay. Atlantis was always, even though it was supposed to be this continent in the middle of the ocean, it was always almost Greek in origin because it was, was it Plato who was mm-hmm. talking about? It? Yeah, I think so. Yeah. Uh, so it was Plato who first described at the existence of Atlantis and where it was and 
um, a rough sketch of what its peoples were like and what happened to them. So it was very fitting for us to be able to incorporate Atlantis into this book as, as one of our strange places. I won't get into too much what's going on with them because I want people to read that for themselves, but it is there and it's very fun. That's cool. And actually, um, that's a question uh, uh, I'd like Lauren to kind of talk about a little bit is, um, you know, th there is a lot of challenging material and, and a, a reappraisal of kind of how we look at that time and how things act at time. So, I mean, how much uh, advice and guidance did you give the writing teams in terms of how to present these different cultures and, and how to kind of uh, adapt and modernize this material? Um, I, you know, tried to make sure that, that everybody was, was looking at things, you know, through a critical lens and, and making sure that we weren't giving any, anyone a pass for, you know, there's a sidebar about, you know, slavery is a real thing in the world at this time. And you need mm -hmm. to be careful when you're addressing it, um, with, with your table and looking into, you know, how it affected, these are, these are real people. Um, and, and so being aware of that, um, but also kind of taking a page uh, out of adventures book where it's like, if you, you know, adventure was like, if you want to punch the Nazis, go ahead. Um, right. Where Aegis is, is like, if you want to punch some slavers, you can, um, but making sure that you're, you're telling stories that are not, um, not, not, I'm trying to think of the, the right way to, to phrase this. Keeping, not glorifying it. Yeah, exactly. And, and making sure you're handling it in a sensitive manner and making sure that everybody at your table, you know, if you even want to have that as an element in your story, because some tables aren't going to be cool with that. And that is perfectly understandable. Um, so we, we tried to be careful there. And also, you know, if anyone was writing outside of our own cultures, making sure that we're, we're doing research and, and, you know, getting the sources that we can from, you know, the, from those cultures instead of about those cultures. Okay. All right, that makes sense. So now let's, now let's talk about colleges. I know Ian had that chapter up, so let's <laughs> make sure that that work was not wasted. Um, uh, so the colleges are uh, this game's uh, approach to um, the, the organizations or the like. Um, so, so Ian, talk a little bit about kind of what the colleges are and how they fit into Aegis overall. There are a lot. I think there are more colleges in this book than there have been allegiances in any other rule book we've done oh wow there are 15 i think sounds about right yeah yeah there's a ton we went a little ham yeah <laughs> i mean we had fun with it and like they're they're all enjoyable organizations to be a part of or maybe to fight as a member of a different organization mm -hmm. so like it, it doesn't feel like we were, you know, trying to stretch word count. You know, th these are all like, th th they're all good. They all belong in this book. Mm -hmm. um, right off the bat is the society of the lion, uh, who are the, uh, the first group who sort of found the, uh, the, the destruction around Mount Olympus and started investigating Ambrosia. And that's sort of where their headquarters is, where they're, hanging around there and um, almost gatekeeping it. Like oh. not, not exactly like stopping anyone from going in, but at least challenging them. Interesting. Um, if, if anyone's sort of claiming jurisdiction over the pools of ambrosia there, it's them. Uh, but they're not claiming ownership necessarily. Mm -hmm. Let's see what other cool groups here. Uh, the Delphic league. 
Okay. Who are uh, associated with the uh, the the Pythia and uh, the high priestess at the temple in Delphi. So these are all um, associated with the the oracles. Um, mm. They uh, Pythia saw a vision of a fireball blasting through the sky, crashing into Mount Olympus. So they were also you know right there almost day one because you know they had foreseen it makes sense well actually as you're looking um i know just on the discord today in fact as we're recording um uh one of the things that people think really love to see is uh organizations showing up in different eras and how they evolve over time but this is obviously the furthest back chronologically and predates a lot of our established organizations so are there any of these colleges that have connections tenuous or direct to some of the organizations recognize in other eras. This is so far back in the past that, you know, we're talking thousands upon thousands of years here. Mm -hmm. Um, So not really. We do have a couple of small suggestions and one or two items, which will show up in the setting secrets chapter, but by and large, these are, their own distinct identities. Um, there are some things which will um, like have echoes forward in like, uh, I think it's the Nautikoi who are uh, placing emphasis on uh, exploration and discovery. Mm-hmm. Mm. Yes. Okay. Yep. It, yeah. It's been a minute since I've read through these. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, so, I mean, that sort of echoes forward into groups like the global uh, cartography initiative. So it's not like a direct link, but if you enjoy playing a member of the GCI, you'll probably member, uh, enjoy playing a member of the Nauticoi. I see. So it's it's less direct connection and more uh, similar spaces for adventure. Right. Well. Okay, cool. Uh, did you find another cool college or? The Nauticoi? No. Oh, you were, uh, <laughs> there you go. Perfect. <laughs> Done. Yeah. Um, uh, uh, and actually, uh, Lauren, uh, since I got you here, um, in the write-up, it mentions here uh, counter societies. Mm-hmm. Is that a special thing? So they are sort of the the potential antagonists or um, maybe rivals, depending on how you want your game to go, to some of the colleges. So they're people that you might butt heads with. They're people who might be you know working at cross purposes to you. Um, and I think the the writers did a really good job of making giving them those potentials to be both. Um, you know, okay. if you want them to be the villains of your story, they totally can be. Or if you want to be like, well, we've got a problem and this is the, the group that's active in the area. So we're going to have to figure out how to work with them. Um, you can do that. Um, and I think they did a, a really good job of giving them sort of both of those, like, could be sinister if you want, could be reluctant allies. Well, that's actually interesting because that, so that's like there's kind of two rough camps of antagonists, which are these counter societies, which, like you said, can be either way mm-hmm. and leads into the the uh, intrigue of the era. And there are monsters who are just straight up people they're probably not going to have conversations with. Is that right? Yep. That's really cool. That's really cool. So that's one thing I, I feel like a lot of people tend to not think about with the ancient worlds. The ancient world's riddled with intrigue. Um, and so having a, a way to kind of play that, because one thing that Trinity does really well, I think, is espionage and intrigue style action-adventure. And so mm-hmm. it was really cool to see that you guys have, have made an effort to really emphasize and dig into that. Yeah, and I, I think the 
having people that were willing to kind of interrogate the myths in certain ways was was mm-hmm. neat because there's one of the counter societies and I, I don't remember I might have I might have crowed about them on the uh, the last pathcast but it's the Gorgons <laughs> <laughs> and, and I, I keep coming back to them yeah they they're really like you know you think of the Gorgons as these sort of evil monsters who you know Medusa turns men to stone but like what made them that way <laughs> you know how much is is being a monster um what other other people say about you mm-hmm. right totally uh so next couple of chapters are covering character creation um and as i mentioned there are champions oracles olympians it seems like these are rough analogs for talents science and uh novas but i know traditionally we've always given them kind of a different spin or take is that true for this version as well lauren yeah, I think so. Um, they're the. I think you're right. The power levels are are pretty. Uh, are the the descriptions of them are are similar, mm-hmm. um, but we we tried to put a sort of uh, mythology or or sort of Greek tragedy spin on them in in places. Mm-hmm. Um, and one of the things that I for the oracles, for example, um, the idea there is sort of you're you're performing these really cool feats of magic. You need. You need something to do that with, with the oracles, um, whether it's ambrosia or some kind of spell or ritual or reagent, but also that kind of power can come back to bite you. And, you know, what cost does, what cost is there to that power Um, without making it something that you don't want to play them, right? Like you, you want to, you want to play an oracle and not be constantly punished for playing an oracle. Um, So it's, it's encouraging the the players and, and story guides to, to think in terms of like, okay, what, you know, what does your character want and how are they going to get that thing? And how is that going to affect themselves and the people around them? Um, which is just a, one of the fascinating parts of, of Greek mythology to me too, is like sometimes like careful what you wish for. <laughs> yeah, totally. Yeah, I mean, there's, um, like you said, there's a, there's a tragic uh, side to it. And so it's interesting to see that explored because Aberrant also, on some level has a bit of a, a tragic side. And really, I mean, uh, all of our games have hope as a basis, but they're, they're, I think hope needs to be up against something, right? Yeah. For it to be valuable. Well, I mean, we have hope, sacrifice, and unity, and this is literally sacrifice. Mm-hmm. Mm. Yeah, that's a good point. That actually is a good question because we, we do weight those. And so this is this one heavily weighted towards sacrifice? I mean, I know all three yeah. of them are on the table because they're they're that all Trinity games have some flavor of those, but like uh, some of them tend towards some of them, like uh, Aeon tends towards Unity. So is this one more sacrifice, or is it, are they pretty evenly distributed? That's a really good question. I, I, I'm I'm a, a giant marshmallow, so I I you know kind of <laughs> think there's there are threads of hope in there too, um, yeah. but you know it, it does it encourages. I I, I think to. One of the things that we do is, is suggest, and I think this is also in the story guiding chapter, that, you know, you're not, as the story guide, you're not just throwing bad bad thing after bad thing at your players. We want the players to have the buy-in, too, mm-hmm. um, in which that that comes into some of the, the new rules in, in Chapter 5 dealing with um, dramatic editing, is that you get to suggest how these things might go wrong or how there might be an unforeseen consequence. Um so I, I think we probably do lean a lot into into sacrifice, but I, I definitely want to say that there's there's hope there because you have this potential. Yeah, um, like a lot of other games we've done, like Anima and Aberrant specifically I'm thinking of, 
those who know sort of the overarching story know that there's disaster in the future. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, Anima has something go horribly bad to create the Shanghai Accords. Aberrant has the Aberrant War. So this is more of a, a long, slow burn with the Bronze Age collapse. Right. Um, so it's not, I wouldn't say disaster necessarily, but we know things aren't going to go great. And it's up to PCs to maybe turn things around. Mm-hmm. It makes a lot of sense. And that, that's one of the things that I, I do love about all the Trinity games, and I'm excited to hear that still with this, is that idea of these are ultimately games about trying to do the right thing. But to set those up, you're right, you have to have something on the horizon to encourage people to, to unify, to have hope, to sacrifice for the greater good. Um, and sometimes that can be a tricky balance. You don't want the game to be so grim, dark that mm-hmm. people feel like they can't do anything inside of it. And they have no uh, chance. Um, but if it's too light, then you know th- th- there's not a lot of incentive to push the boundaries and, and make the hard decisions to, to make those really, truly heroic stances. So mm-hmm. um, it's cool to see the ages carrying that on. Yeah. I think one of the things that um, I think it's the the Olympians, especially in in the um, inspired characters chapter, talks a little bit about what it's what it's like when you have these these big huge powers and you're this sort of larger than life being, and how potentially alienating that can be. Because you know you mm-hmm. might be just just some guy from a small town, and and suddenly you are you know as as powerful as a god. And what does that do to your relationships? And it, what what do you want to do with that? You know, what do you, what do you try to keep of who you were before and what do you have to let fall away and how does that affect you? Right. Um, that's a good point. That's that you mentioned, uh, uh, gods and characters. Um, uh, like adventure, there are three different art and Aether even had three different art types, but Aether's breakdowns are very different. Mm-hmm. Um, this one maps closer to the adventure breakdowns. Um, is it fair to say that at a, just a high l- macro level, the power level's higher in Aegis than adventure? I think I, so. Yeah, I would agree with that. Because you're, you're uh, yeah. <laughs> I feel like yes is the simplest answer to fair that. Fair enough, that's fine. That's fine. Yeah, like uh, stalwarts, like they have impressive powers, like Duck Savage, Man of Bronze, but I wouldn't really qualify him as being godlike, you know? Right. Okay, good to know. Uh, well, that leads me into to the rules chapter. Um, you, you both have touched on a little bit, um, um, but uh, uh, Ian, maybe you can help me walk through this. Um, how have, in the page, it, says, it specifically mentions uh, how the characters interact with dramatic editing and super science in this era. Um, so how have those systems uh, been reframed or changed for ages? Oh, sure. Ask me about the rules. Yes. <laughs> Changing it up. Great. Uh, maybe you should ask someone else. Okay, fair enough. Lauren, Lauren, can you help out? <laughs> I took notes on this chapter. <laughs> um, yeah, so so the the some of the cool things, like I said, we play a little bit with dramatic editing there, um, so that you can um, declare twists of fate that are, uh, you know, maybe going to get, uh, drop the amount of inspiration you have to spend, but later on in the scene or the session, uh, there's going to be some sort of unforeseen consequence. Mm, um, okay. You can also swear a mighty oath um, that sort of, this is, this is going to be the thing that I will do. And um, you know, you get some, some bonuses 
when you're working toward that goal. Um, and then in, in sort of classic uh, Greek epic style, you can give something in the scene. The player can be like, this has symbolism and that the oh, whole, this, you know, this bird just flew across my path and that is not good. Um, oh, cool. <laughs> and sort of set something up to happen later on. That's really cool. So, yeah. so you can kind of uh, uh, take, sounds like you can take moments in time and bank those effectively as here's the thing that I want to have happen later. Yep. That's really neat. Yeah. I, I thought that was a really cool way to, way to kind of incorporate that into, into Aegis. Yeah. Uh, so how about the super science stuff? Um, Cause obviously it's a very different scientific standpoint, culture or you know, technologically speaking, I should say. Yeah. Um, one of the, the things that when we were talking about it, you know, Ian had a, a bunch of, I, I think things that sort of existed in that era that, um, you know, we, you know, modern day is like, oh, wow, that's, that's pretty advanced. So we, we played on that of like the, the world had some, some pretty advanced mathematics at the time and, and mm -hmm. cool inventions. Like, you know, there were, I think heated floors or something like that in, in Rome or yeah. you know, Rome won't come around for another few hundred years. So, <laughs> but you know, they, there were all sorts of wonders. So you kind of have that to build on. Um, and you, uh, can can raise monsters or mechanical monsters if you want to um and it's you know we we i think go into some naval combat or or vehicles because the vehicles of that time were very different than what we're looking at in the more modern mm, eras true good point uh but then actually yeah i mean you're also talking about things like you know the trojan horse right that mm -hmm. was a, a massively complicated thing to have made yep and sort of took inspiration from you know things that were in myths and and things that are you know in some of our our favorite movies and books that are set in that era that you get to see so like clockwork owls is a random mm -hmm. example i believe there is one in there yeah <laughs> <laughs> nice yep. nice uh, uh okay so um then uh hopefully ian a, I'll, I'll back to a a setting set chapter for question for ian to help him out there um in the story guiding chapter um there's a lot of talk about kind of what kinds of stories you could tell and we, we kind of talked a little bit about that um but um do, i don't know if you have any other thoughts but you know how aegis differs and is, is distinctive from the other trinity games in terms of what kinds of stories i can tell well i think well a lot of the, the modern games especially something like uh, the superhero genre with with aberrant that's sort of establishing a modern myth but there's nothing really quite like going back to the source material mm -hmm. um these big dramatic stories that even if they don't really have wide-reaching implications, it certainly feels like they do, right? Like, mm -hmm. who cares about what, like, in the grand scheme of things, who cares about what Odysseus has been up to, right? Right. Um, but the story of Odysseus is fantastic in, in both meanings of the word. Mm -hmm. So you can tell a lot of these big grand stories, you can dig into the history um, and, and just go hog wild there's a ton of media which has you know gotten down to the to like used a lot of this stuff as source material god of war god of yeah. war like barely has anything to do with actual mythology in a lot of places but it it like references it so much that uh like it, it feels like you're taking part in something huge um mm. and uh 
yeah, it's, it's just a lot of stuff. Sorry, my brain just shut down. Um, no worries. Yeah, uh, it just mythology is so big, and it's been around with us for so long. It's just part of our culture, and it's it's part of us in a way that a lot of modern stories aren't. I mean, you you read Shakespeare, and Shakespeare's talking about Greek mythology, mm-hmm. so right. it's it's different. It the way you're playing it isn't necessarily different, but the way it feels is. Okay. Uh, and actually, that's a good point. Um, you mentioned uh, God of War, which is which is honestly a really fantastic touchstone. Um, uh, it, it's a really good modern feel of those ancient stories. Uh, but also in the God of War series, Kratos literally meets gods. Uh, like, game one. Yeah. Uh, it's not even like a slow build. It's just like, oh, yep, there, there's Zeus, there's Ares. Um uh, so uh, the the page mentions that you can dial up or dial down the involvement of gods in your game. Mm-hmm. So maybe can you talk a little bit about how that looks and works. Sure. In my view, if you're say an Olympian, mm-hmm. uh, let's say you get lightning powers, you might think, "Oh, I'm the chosen of Zeus. I'm going to go around and do my stuff in the name of Zeus. And if Zeus doesn't like it, he'll smite me down because he's Zeus." Right. But in reality, there's actually no Zeus. It's just you. You're just sort of an echo of a previous story. Mm-hmm. Alternately, you might decide, okay, there is an actual Zeus. And if you start doing stuff in his name that he doesn't like, he will strike you down. Or okay. maybe you literally are the source of the Zeus myth. You call yourself Zeus. You're throwing lightning around. People come up with the Zeus myth because of you. Oh, okay. That's a little ahistorical because, you know, a lot of the Greek gods did already exist by this time. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, there's a lot of different directions you can take that uh, in terms of uh, godly representation of who actually exists and who doesn't. Well, that's honestly that brings up an interesting point. Moving slightly off of ages for the moment, um, that's I think it's a point slash problem with any tabletop role playing game set in historical time period. Is at some point in time you and your group have to decide how accurate to history you're going to be mm-hmm. um uh i remember i ran a uh victorian age vampire game uh for a group that were largely uh, uh women or femme presenting people and one of the first things says like okay how much sexism do you want to deal with mm-hmm. because we're, we're playing in victorian london mm-hmm. you could have a, a historically accurate amount of sexism uh, or you can have a, a much more fun amount of sexism, which is almost none. Or you could punch sexist people in the face. Yes. Um, and they went with B. Uh, so, I mean, I, I, th- <laughs> I, I think you're right. Like, it's the, you know, well, yeah, the myth didn't start till then, blah, blah, blah. I mean, like, if it's the, no, I want to have the fun of everyone mistaking me for Zeus, just go with it, right? Yeah. It's what John Rogers refers to as the fun train. Where, <laughs> like, there's a certain amount of buy-in for this dumb pseudo science uh, a historical game that we've put together Mm -hmm. we know it's not accurate we hope you'll excuse it just for the sake of having a fun game this is not a history textbook right exactly um which is sometimes gets weird because there are lots of people like yeah sure i can squint and see um oh yeah this is actually scientific or sci-fi stuff and a uh 
historical settings, so I'm okay with that. But then they'll get weirdly hung up on like, okay, but gay people weren't around then. And it's like, okay, clearly you're not read the same Greek myths I have. <laughs> um, uh, but also too, it, it, just, it just shows that people have different limits on sure what they accept and don't accept. So you're right. It's, it's cool to have that conversation. Um, and it sounds like there's going to be some discussion of that in storytelling ages, so like how to kind of use safety rules and those dials to kind of mm-hmm. hit the right amount of verisimilitude. I think probably is the best way to describe that. Yeah. In between having gay people exist and having gods exist, which one is more unrealistic? <laughs> <laughs> right. We already Definitely have... Does. We already have gods, so like, yeah, everything else gets a pass. Right, right, exactly. There's <laughs> a cascading effect. Yeah. Um, I mean, I'm pretty sure that the, the fiction at the start of the uh, of the book pretty firmly says, yeah, there there are queer people here. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I I was I didn't even ask the question because like I I know what the answer could be. I know our company. I know y'all. It's like so. I was like, yes, of course. Obviously, we're gonna present queer people and people of color in a, in a very positive light but also uh, it's just modern historical studies have shown that the world was way more diverse back then than was originally believed or at least originally presented is more accurate yeah yeah and i mean certainly there are problems like you mentioned you know slavery exists but mm-hmm. um just like we had sidebars in adventure and an aether saying yes these things exist how you want to confront them in your game is largely up to you but you know for the ter- the sake of playability we're taking the approach that you know all of these colleges they're they're very open and accepting of pretty much everything everyone mm-hmm. like if if you can do the job that we need you to do our arms are open i think almost that seems to be a trend through most of the trinity games which is some form of listen we have this big problem over here to deal with so we don't have time for your bigoted nonsense yeah Let's focus on this other <laughs> shit. Uh, okay, well, I mean, I, we're, obviously we're going to skip the, the setting secret chapter because we generally don't talk about the setting secret stuff in these interviews. Um, for your secrets, don't, don't talk about them. <laughs> if, if you tell secrets, we send interest to your house and kill you. That's just that's just how it works. I'm sorry. Rosebud uh, was his sled. <laughs> <laughs> One of these days we're going to make a game and the setting secret chapter should be just nothing. It's going to be a blank page. <laughs> <laughs> there are no secrets. They're all done. Um, but, uh, uh, I do, I was, I was hoping that Laura, maybe we talk a little bit, we, we, I mentioned very briefly monsters. I was wondering if we talk a little more specifically about what kinds of, of antagonists people see or could run into outside of the counter society we've talked about. Sure. Um, you have all kinds of very cool monsters out of, out of Greek myths there. I believe we've got a chimera written up. Um, we have, uh, so everything from sort of, uh, weird monsters that you know the uh the greek heroes encountered we've got some uh walking dead that are up in the um northern european setting up in scandia um yep there's a a whole group of people up there who uh the ambrosia in their uh in their region uh sort of if you if somebody died it kind of picks them back up (laughs) Wow. <laughs> and that's, that's a problem good. that's a problem yeah, that's yeah. Not good at all no, nobody likes that very much so they are they are dealing with that and that is a thing that you can um you know go out and and help out with um 
We also talk about some, uh, you know, the one of the, the big mysteries, you know, historical mysteries is who were the Sea Peoples, right? There were these, these mm. groups that are mentioned as like these raiders that kind of came out of nowhere and nobody really knows who they were. There's a bunch of theories. Um, so they're, they're one of the antagonists that we put in there that, you know, we, you can sort of determine for yourself for your game where they came from, but we give you some stats so you can have a, a sea battle with them. Oh, nice! Yeah. <laughs> um, who else? We've got we've got some witches for you. We've got King Midas. We've got the Minotaur. Yes, we have the Minotaur. Of course, you have the Minotaur. Why wouldn't you have the Minotaur? <laughs> uh, that, that's that's birds. exciting. Yeah, and again, that is kind of stuff that you won't get in any other Trinity game, right? Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, we had with Aegis, we we introduced stuff like vampires, which mm-hmm. you know, that's big in Victorian literature. But in terms of sort of classical monsters in general, no, we've we've never been a big monster game. Mm-hmm. And that's 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 great. So that's another area where this is going to be a a distinctive experience from other mm-hmm. Trinity games. Uh, so we are getting close to time. Um, so uh, uh, one last question for each of you, and I'll, I'll start with with Ian. Um, what if you had someone? You had three seconds of their attention. And you wanted them to know one cool thing about this game. It could be something we talked about. It could be something we haven't talked about. Um, but what's one cool thing you really want people to know about this game? I mean, who doesn't love fun adventure in the the Greek period? There there aren't enough Greek RPGs out there. And That's I true. think this one takes an interesting approach in that while there are a lot of fantasy trappings, it's technically not fantasy. Yeah, that's a good point. How about you, Lauren? What's, what's one cool thing you hope people will find in this game? Oh gosh, <laughs> um, I, I I think the the one thing that we we of course the the gifts chapter is very very cool, and so the powers that are in there mm-hmm. um, kind of give you the the opportunity to uh, make your your own Greek hero or play one of your favorite Greek heroes and sort of recreate the the neat things that they can do. Awesome, that's fantastic. Uh, so hopefully, if you're listening to this, um, you are inspired to go check out uh, the crowdfunding page. Um, inspired with the capital I. Ah, yes. <laughs> you've spent some inspiration and have gone backwards in time to become the first backer. Yes. Uh, uh, I do want to mention, because uh, it is a uh, backer kit as opposed to Kickstarter, things are a little different on there. Um, there's a separate uh, add-ons page as well as a separate uh, pledge level page. So we have... Um, a wide variety of add-ons. Um, you could add on various different uh, Trinity core books or game lines, uh, an entire uh, PDF bundles. Uh, so if you want to get caught up on other elements of the Trinity continuum, we can. Uh, we do also have some uh, bigger uh, stretch goals, or not stretch goals, um, pledge levels. We do have stretch goals too, but we're not going to talk about them. We'll talk about them when they come up. But uh, for pledge levels, uh, if you're a retailer, we do have a retailer tier so you can get uh, five copies of the book. Um, the PDF and hardcover version. Uh, you can also black at the uh, scribes of the shell level to get uh, to name an NPC in the book. Uh, we have only five of those slots, so you have to get them while they get to there. And we have three slots for uh, Circle of Heroes where you can actually submit photo references and we'll create an illustration in a Trinity Continuum product using that photo likeness. Uh, so you can actually put yourself or your friends or even your enemies inside of Trinicatinium Aegis or one of the follow-up books on that. And hopefully there will be follow-up books depending on how the stretch goals pan out. Mm-hmm. Uh, 
so uh, please go to uh, Backerkit, go to the Trinictinium Aegis book, or the uh, page. Um, we would love to see you uh, back that and start some kind of pledge train. There's a pledge train thing I see on here now. I don't know what that is. Back and we'll find out. We'll find out together what a, what a pledge train is. You're uh, legally required to yell choo-choo when you hit the, the pledge button. <laughs> yes, yes. And you must record yourself saying that and submit it to the Discord so we can all hear it. That would be very important. Um, uh, so, uh, if people want to talk to you, uh, about Aegis, uh, or really anything involving Trinity, Ian, where would they find you online? Uh, probably the best place is the Onyx Path Discord. I would normally recommend, uh, people find me on social media, but given how all that's playing out right now, we'll see what still exists six months from now. Right. Um, so yeah, Discord. How about you, uh, Warren? Uh, yep, I'm also I'm a lurker on the Discord, but I am there. Um, and on social media, I am generally Falcon S E S S E. If there's no E on the end, it's probably not me. <laughs> um, <laughs> I'm in a few places. I tend to claim the name. So if you if you see somebody and there's a picture of a, a white woman in a hat, it's probably me. <laughs> Fair enough, you are <laughs> known for hats. Uh, you can find me most anywhere at uh, Pugsteady. It's P-U-G-S-T-A-D-Y. My website's Pugsteady.com. Um, of all of the not-Twitters currently active, uh, Dice.Camp is the one that I'm probably the most active on, so it's the best place to find me. Um, but as everyone else said, um, the Onyx Path Discord is, is the best place to find us. You can certainly go to the Trinictinium Aegis channel to ask questions about Trinictinium Aegis. Um, also, you can come out to the Onyx Pathcast channel, which is up Bit, it's basically the off-topic channel, but it just related to the Pathcast occasionally. Um, so it's which is exactly like the Onyx Pathcast, right? Exactly. <laughs> I mean, it, it, it's 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 off-topic part two, really. Yeah. Um, so <laughs> if, you, if you like to hear more kind of uh, random nonsense, really, the Discord's a pretty cool place. Um, we're we're pretty uh, aggressive about uh, bouncing jerks out of our space, so um, please come hang out there. Uh, you can also find all of our stuff um, on various social media spaces as, at The Onyx Path or go to our website, theonyxpath.com. So uh, with that, um, thank you both. I appreciate you both taking some time out of your day to talk about Aegis. I'm really excited to see uh, what comes out of this. Um, and I think it's going to be a fantastic addition to the Trinity Continuum. Hooray. Thanks for having thank us. Thank you. No problem. And as always, many worlds, one path.